bootstrapping a million dollar e-commerce brand on the side. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. We've got an awesome story for you today on building a brand, building a business, building an online income stream on the side from your day job. Stick around in this one. We're talking market research, media validation, and of course, all the fun marketing tactics that went into it. The brand at the center of our case study today is a men's skincare brand called Pretty Boy. You can find it at yoprettyboy.com. And joining me today are the best friends and co-founders, Kevin Niehoff and Ben Faze. Welcome to the show, guys. What's going, What's going on? on? Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Wow. Happy to have you here. Notes and links for this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash prettyboy. While you're there, make sure to download your free listener bonus for this episode. It's my list of 25 e-commerce niche ideas I put together to spark some more inspiration if you want to follow a similar path. Kevin and Ben, once again, that's sidehustlenation.com slash prettyboy or through the show notes link in the episode description. So you guys, you are two years spent in the market research phase, the product development phase, and now you're a year and a half post-launch and you just post an almost $80,000 sales month. And that's huge. That's got to be incredibly rewarding and validating. But what does that feel like from the standpoint of, yeah, we're still working the day job. We're still trying to make this happen. What's going through your heads? It's very exciting. We're getting really close to go all in. And yeah, it's just cool. I mean, I started this three years ago, you know, it's pretty hard to just get a product to launch. And now we're a year and a half in and just posting $80,000, like you said, planning to cross over a million this year. It's pretty cool. It's surreal, honestly. It's something we've always dreamed about doing together. So it's cool. Pulling for a big Q4. Then my question is, there's got to be dozens of skincare brands, some of them from huge brand names. What gives you guys the confidence to say, yeah, number one, we can build something that is either better, faster, cheaper, like effective. And we're going to be able to compete with these big guys. Trust me, a lot of sleepless nights at the beginning asking ourselves that same question. Kevin and I know, and we'll, we always talk about it, we're two very identical minds with separate skill sets. I think that one of the things for us was like any company like this, and anytime you're starting something, especially as a bootstrapped approach or that side hustle mentality, so often they start from personal problems encountered in one's own life. So Kevin, someone who suffers from eczema or a form of eczema, myself, I was that kid that when I was younger had kind of the acne prone skin, breakouts, oily skin, was super self-conscious about it. And as we had always dreamed about starting a company and when COVID hit, it started to really kind of lean into the skincare thing. We were just obsessed from the beginning with understanding what the desired customer would want or what that customer would desire moving forward with the product really leaned into the things that we thought were marketplace gaps. Once we isolated kind of those factors that people made their buying decisions off of, what they thought was wrong with the current things in the marketplace, too many products, like long, long multi-step routines, products that had that kind of more greasy or heavier texture and kind of figuring out what guys said, yeah, if I'm going to do something every single day, this is what it's going to have to look like. We felt super confident that paired with kind of Kevin's creative genius from a branding side and our obsession with creating kind of that perfect product for guys that they actually wanted, we knew that if we did it the right way, we'd be able to get that loyal customer base, be able to break into the market with a splash. So even though there was entrenched competition, you still sound through either personal pain points or conversations with potential customers, there's still a gap. Like this particular audience that we want to serve, their needs aren't being met and we think we can do it. 
Without a doubt, and I think another thing to that is like Kevin, former Ohio State football player, won a national championship there. Myself, like we're both very competitive people and innovation is best fostered through competition. So even though there's always people out there that are doing something, it was never for us being scared about the competition or the saturation. It was just, can we be unique enough and can we solve enough pain points by innovating on what's happening? And innovation can look different. It's technological innovation. It's also like process innovation. A lot of founders, when they start brands, it comes from an issue they've had. And yes, there was a lot of competition, but Ben and I have been going to dermatologists for over 10 years. You know, we've been using products that haven't really been what we really wanted out of skincare. And when doing all this pre-survey data on what guys actually want, it is kind of funny. We started seeing some very key factors on what guys actually want out of skincare. Now, at the end of the day, skin is skin, whether it's men or women, skincare is really genderless, but men are different consumers than women out of skincare. And I think that's one of the biggest things is really understanding your consumer. We believe there should be a skincare product for everyone. You go down a current aisle, there's a million different products really targeting women, right? Yeah. There's not that many focused on men. And the current ones out there were super hyper-masculinized. Like Ben said, they didn't meet the texture. They didn't meet the performance. We would bring these products that may be more aligned with us from a branding perspective to our derm. And they would be like, I'm not letting you put this on our face. So really doing that pre-survey data, not only what we wanted as a customer, but what actual men talked about. So performance, actually using quality ingredients that have the most science backing, simplicity, all the data referred back to us was guys don't want you to use more than three products. So then why were current brands coming out with five-step routines or more? Texture, it's a funny thing. Like Obviously, there are people that want to use a thicker cream. That's fine. Use that. But texture was the biggest thing. Guys don't want to make it seem like they're wearing a mask all day. They want it to blend in immediately. You want to feel comfortable using a brand that represents you. And we believe there should be a brand for everyone. So we took on that kind of active male Nike of skincare approach. But also wanted to have some fun with it. We took on the name Pretty Boy. Everyone's a pretty boy now. We all work out, eat healthy, want to look our best type of thing. And you said, am I the OG Pretty Boy in the earlier call? Like my football coach in high school used to call me a pretty boy for one. Wear the visor, the towel, look good, feel good, play good. So we thought, hey, let's have some fun with it. Let's come up with a cheeky name versus just some kind of generic name that doesn't really stand out. Yeah, it might've been on an earlier interview of you guys. Well, 10 years ago in Ohio, Pretty boy wasn't necessarily a compliment. And so I was like, but hey, we can spin it and we can own that. And I like that how you guys did that to set out to make the Nike of skincare. And I want to highlight the other comment that innovation is best fostered through competition. Really want to underline that. Don't be afraid of the competition. Let that be fuel for coming up with something different, something better. And I think that's pretty cool. You mentioned this pre-survey. So this is before even trying to find a manufacturer or even start messing around with formulas because that's we get into a little bit of that too but just trying to figure out okay what do customers really want talk to me about through the logistics of what you went through to collect some of that pre-survey data or this customer you know, voice of the customer data kevin and i are perfectionists at heart want to give ourselves the best chance to make the right decision as early in the process as possible obviously we haven't made every right decision but one of the ways we saw that was get as much data as possible on what people want. And so we created uh, probably like a 30 question survey. It went out to a couple hundred people right in those first couple months of ideating. And we were incentivizing people. Anyone, Where'd you find those people? 
initially it would start with just friends and say, hey, we need you to take this. But then it was also, we want to get as far outside of our immediate circle. So we're not operating in a vacuum. So asking them to send it to their friends. Sometimes there was an incentive. Sometimes it was, hey, once we get the product, like you guys will get some for free for helping us out with this. But posting it wherever it was social media, asking people to share it among friends, try to get as far outside that circle again to not operate in a vacuum. And that survey was what initially led us to that value prop for us was obviously the less is more approach. So many people want to start with building the brand. I have this name. I have this brand vision. The best thing we could have done is we went out, got data, understood our customer base, and then built the brand around that data. That was the best thing we probably could have done, spending two years on just creating a badass product that people love to use. And that's why our retention is so high. And it's really helped, especially when you bootstrap as well. Like you need that returning customer. Yeah, we're not talking five or 10 survey responses. We're talking a couple hundred at this point couple hundred on that initial, but then that, like, again, we're doing every single customer after 30 days of use gets a post-purchase outcome survey. A key part of this also was being accepted by that clinical community. And to get that kind of credibility, we not only, like, we did clinical surveys where we were asking hundreds of dermatologists to rank our ingredient list against name brand competitors, smaller niche competitors based on the ingredient list that they're seeing. And that's what's gotten us some of that buy-in from the dermatologist community already in, like, a pretty quick fashion for a company like ours. So talk to me a little bit about the process and we don't have to spend a ton of time on this because it's going to vary based on whatever product, but like from the survey data to a sample, like trying to find a contract manufacturer and even know like what goes into this, like I want to white label or I want to private label my own skincare brand, trying to figure out somebody to help you make this stuff or are you mixing over, you know, pots and pans in the kitchen like trying to get <laughs> God, this no. right? <laughs> Not us. I don't think I ever got above a C plus in any science class from sixth grade until high school. And I conveniently stopped in college for a reason. It was really simple, honestly. Like we just approached, we were DMing dermatologists through Instagram to say, hey, we want to talk to you about this idea. And it was very, very simple. We said, we know that guys want a product that feels like this. And these are the top concerns that they face. And Kevin has eczema. Can you make a single moisturizer that we can with confidence market targeting these claims, having this texture and being safe for people with skin conditions like eczema, psoriasis, et cetera. And the answer was resoundingly yes from a dermatologist and cosmetic chemist standpoint. They said, yes, you can. We then go and approach the contract manufacturers. We say, hey, we validated that these types of ingredients work together. These are the claims we want to be able to make with confidence. The process of evaluating manufacturers absolutely sucks. It's exhausting. And that's probably the closest we've ever come to doubting (laughs) whether or not this was able to happen just because it's such a frustrating process. Are you able to mystery shop like three, four different potential suppliers that say, hey, can you make us this formula? Like, are you able to pit them against each other? Like, I have no idea how this process would even work. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like 
LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We didn't know what the hell we were doing early on. We were using Google. We were calling manufacturers, just trying to get on the phone, calling people in China. And it was pretty stressful because if they're going to be making a product, you got to trust that they can do this. A lot of products are manufactured overseas. So that was just, there is a language barrier. It took a while. Thankfully, my girlfriend, her former boss worked at a company that started the EOS lipstick, the little egg-shaped lipstick. And okay. He kind of used her as a mentor. I mean, that's one of the biggest things we can buy is just continue to network. In this startup community, people love to help each other. If they can't help you, they probably know somebody that might. She loved our story, was able to connect us with their contract manufacturer who worked with some pretty big brands. I mean, it was honestly a godsend. They're based in the US, but have relationships all over the world and can really be that middleman and kind of handling everything. They are professionals. They've been doing it for 30 years. And it was really huge for us because, like Ben said, we were getting to a point where, like, can we even do this? Like, how are we going to figure this out? Yeah, in contrast to just going down the Alibaba rabbit hole of, like, who can make this stuff? The other thing that was really fortunate about that time was you're waiting on samples. That can take a couple weeks at a time. Like, you're talking to all these different labs. It was in that almost what I call, like, our dead period where we were able to then also start transitioning into understanding then same survey, same type of thing. Like what do people actually want to see out of a skincare brand? How do we want to live this brand out? What do our consumers see? And for us, a big thing was like people want their lifestyle reflected in a brand. They want complete authenticity, transparency. And so that started like setting up the future for that's when you do some of the business planning and the marketing planning and go, okay, now we know we have this like six month time of this product once it's going to be manufactured, where we can really start focusing on the delivery model and the marketing model and how we're going to go to market without feeling like you're taking a step back. And so there's always a silver lining. And that was kind of where we got to with that stuff. Yeah, it's an opportunity to create a ton of value for all parties involved. But just as we're going through this, there's a lot of moving parts in here. I think it's really smart of you to use this you manufacturing time, like this formulation time to, well, okay, now let's talk to our customer base about the branding side of things and really letting everything from the sounds of it be very 
customer driven. And I think that makes a lot of sense, especially since it's like, well, we're, we're not taking outside funding to do this. So you finally get the formula right. What kind of minimum order do you have to put in to say like, all right, let's see how many of these things we could sell? Too much. Yeah. yeah too <laughs> Skincare is a little different than a lot of brands. It's a minimum 10,000 that you got to put in, which is pretty uh, steep when you're bootstrapping. But I mean, Ben kind of, and I kind of looked at us, we're extremely competitive people. And we're like, hey, if we're going all in on this, like it's got to work and it's going to work. So we're either going all in or taking our shot and miss. But we were obviously confident in ourselves and shoot or shoot. So it's been going good so far. And we've been able to place multiple orders. So we made the right decision. Yeah, I had a line because I asked him he, and his minimum order was like three grand. I forget what he was selling. But he was selling Amazon FBA in Japan. And I was like, three grand, that's pretty steep. What made you confident to make that investment? Were you nervous? And he's like, man, at a certain point, you got to take a swing or tomorrow is going to look like today. And that's a line that has definitely stood out to me. So you guys plunk down the 10 grand to order the first batch of product. Then what happens? Like now we got to figure out how to sell this stuff. Yeah, just to clarify what we both said too much, honestly, 10 grand would have been absolutely amazing. It was a 10,000 unit MOQ. Oh, so oh. <laughs> we, yeah. So that came in right under 70 grand. Plus, you've got the regulatory testing, plus, you've got just some other ancillary like stability and certain things like that. So, to Kevin's point, I mean, we were literally like, that's a different shit, conversation. Man. Yeah. It's a different <laughs> conversation. Thankfully, we've both been as judicious with saving money as you can living in LA for seven years, but we're able to do it again. For us, it was literally like once we got the product, we had 100% confidence in ourselves. Our goal was to sell through the first 10,000 in the first year. And we did that basically the day that a year turned over. But since then, that first year was like $187,000 a year for us. We sold through the 10,000 units. We've ordered 45,000 units since then. And so some of those are hitting here soon. I mean, you can post this stuff on your own website. You can upload it to Amazon. But... Just because you built it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to come. What's driving the initial sales, even before selling out the first 10,000 unit order, but just like the first 100 units, like where are these sales coming from? Friends and family initially. <laughs> that was the greatest day. You see the first month come in and you're like, I think we did like a couple hundred units that first month. And then the next month is where you drop off. You're like, nice. Like We got some money passing through Shopify. That's where the real work started. More with Kevin and Ben in just a moment. I know you're looking for strategies you can actually apply to your business. That's why you're here, right? Well, I've got another podcast recommendation for you to start and grow your side hustle. It's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business is an original podcast from Amazon for aspiring and early stage entrepreneurs just like you. For example, one of the toughest parts about starting and growing your own business is figuring out how much you should charge. Like what is your product or service actually worth? And how much do you need to charge to make a profit? Well, there's a recent episode called How to Find Your Ideal Price Point, where you'll learn how to figure out what customers are willing to pay and when you should start thinking about raising your prices. The show answers so many questions that early stage entrepreneurs have, like how to find your ideal customer, how to know when you're ready to launch your product, how to hire your first employee, and why you should protect your intellectual property, plus tons more. Learn more about how to start and grow your small business. Check out This Is Small Business on your favorite podcast app. And big thanks to This Is Small Business for sponsoring the show. We all want to feel better, be happier, and have more freedom. I know that's one reason you're listening to this show. The good news is there are endless resources to help us achieve those goals. The bad news is wading through the sea of self-help books, podcasts, and workshops takes more time than most of us have. That's why I recommend the podcast Self-Helpful with Kevin Miller. Kevin's a pro athlete, 
peak performance expert, published author, and personal development guide. On Self-Helpful, you'll meet today's most important influencers and changemakers to learn what drives them and actionable self-improvement tips that you can apply right away. Here are a few recent episodes I think are worth checking out. First up, focus like a monk, even when you're an entrepreneur. Love that qualification, love that subtitle. Number two was moving beyond fear-based thinking to opportunity-based thinking. And finally, peak wellness. Dominate your day before breakfast. Something definitely relevant for side hustlers with limited hours. From personal fulfillment and work-life balance to spirituality, relationships, and motivation, each of Self-Helpful's four-part series distills the guest's greatest wisdom into practical, transformative steps that anyone can integrate into their life. Tune in to Self-Helpful with Kevin Miller to elevate your personal experience and improve the way you show up for yourself and others. Once you create a good product, word of mouth does spread, which has been huge. Thankfully, we've talked about networking. Definitely try to find people that have started e-commerce brands and been successful and get advice from them. We know that brands that are doing seven figures, eight figures, Facebook ads still is the name of the game. Now, one thing we would stress is if you want to go all in on organic, if you don't have money to start putting low dollars into Facebook ads like we did, definitely you can go TikTok, but we stick with one. That's the best thing. Don't try to do too many things. We try to do too many things in the beginning. Just stick with one, become a master of it. Once you can cross over a couple million dollars, then you can start really branching out and trying new marketing channels. But for us, Facebook was number one. Obviously, it's not the heyday of Facebook advertising where you get 5x on every dollar you spend. But it's still where people are putting their money. It's still where you can find new customers and then really nurture those customers through the back end of like email, social media, et cetera. Is there a metric you like to be at in terms of cost of acquisition? From a profitability and break-even point, we want to be in the mid-20s because of our LTV, which hovers in the $70 to $80 range, and because of how frequent people transition to subscribers and then how long those subscribers stay. For us, I mean, Nick, I'm sure you're familiar with Andrew Ferris. I don't know that name. Okay. He's a big e-com guy, does a podcast. He talks a lot to brands like ours at his podcast. We're his target audience. We listen to this podcast that we found so interesting, which he's like, if you start to see that your repeat customer rate is basically exceeding your new customer rate. So if returning customer revenue is outpacing new customer revenue for sustained months, what that tells you is that you should be basically doing everything you can to throw a boatload of cash at getting new customers. So now that CAC metric for us hovers more in that like 35 to the low 40s range. Because we know, again, with that LTV, that that customer, we are willing to bet heavily that if you buy our product once, you will at least buy one more. And we think a vast majority are going to subscribe. About 60% of our revenue on a given month comes from subscribers. Okay. You have the subscribe option versus just, okay. Which again, meet the customer where they want to be. Like Shopify would just let you do that, like make it a recurring purchase. There's tons of apps on Shopify. It's one of the most user-friendly platforms you can have. We use a service that specializes in subscriptions. And some of the things like why I was saying meet the customer in the middle that they do so well is our subscription model allows you to pick your frequency, 30, 45 days or 60 days. You can sign up to manage everything via text. So you can skip an order. You can cancel at any time. We're not holding you to anything. You can pause your subscription for one, two or three months. We're going to make it as easy as possible for them to do business with us as long as they like the product and the brand. Yeah. I mean, this is B2C or really any business, this game of cost of acquisition versus lifetime value. And it sounds like if our lifetime value is 80 bucks and maybe hopefully higher, if somebody, I can imagine somebody being subscribed to this for years, and that's great. But there's a timing of cash flow issues like, well, yeah, if I know my customer is going to be worth 80 bucks, I'm happy to spend 50 to get them. But it's like, well, I might not see that 80 for 
several months or even years down the road. So that's like the bottleneck here. And it's investing in the marketing, it's investing in the restocking the inventory. It's capital intensive to get this thing off the ground. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. I think one other thing too, we want to be a resource. We want to be a brand that people want to be a part of and follow and learn from. Blogs has been a huge thing for us. It's something super easy to do. AI now, you got ChatGPT. We honestly got on it too late. But that's something we would definitely recommend being able to actually create blogs really drives some organic site visits. And it's been a huge help for us. So creating content on the Yo Pretty Boy site. Yeah, there's the SEO play there. And it's free. And it's free. Yeah, free, free blog. Yeah, some of the article titles or some of the keywords that you're targeting, just to give people an example, um, is creatine causing acne breakouts or does creatine cause acne breakouts? How hyaluronic acid work. So targeting sometimes specific ingredients. Why is my nose so oily? Stuff like that. Kind of these question and answer keywords. And then when I first landed on the site, I was greeted with the kind of typical of e-commerce stores like, hey, 15% off your order. We'll send you this coupon code directly to your email. A way to, even if somebody's not ready to buy today, now they've got their email. You know, they had this introductory offer and you can remarket to them that way. So I thought that was pretty smart. Now I want to get you guys take on this because this is what's obnoxious in my mind about Amazon. I have typed in pretty boy men skincare, very like bottom of the funnel search as you can get, right? I want to buy your thing. And they make you pay for an ad. Like it shows up, but it says sponsored. And then it's just nowhere to be found in the organic results. Like I am looking for this specific brand name. What's going on uh, with Amazon these days? A timely question. We were on Amazon earlier in the year. We were starting to see some like really, really strong success. 
Amazon was crushing for us, but inventory was starting to run down. So we knew that our inventory might be depleted before the time that we were going to get new inventory. So we tapered off Amazon. We said, you know what? We'd rather not give up the haircut. We know we're going to sell through these on the website and we need to maintain our subscriber base, make sure that no one's going to run out. We took like a five-month hiatus and we just relaunched on Amazon last week. And so I think what you're experiencing is some of the listing optimization that's going to be needed by kind of having a higher frequency to that point of the ad thing. It is always interesting that they're just going to show you an ad there instead of throw it up there. But again, that's how they make their money, Amazon ads. So we are paying for that ad. Yeah, I don't want to have to make you pay for it for the click. Here. Right. You got to contact right. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> 50% of online product searches now start on Amazon. So pretty crazy. I mean, I think all of us have been so accustomed to going to Google for things, but I know now any product I want, I do go on Amazon. I fall into that statistic. If you have a good product, if you follow Amazon's instructions on the listing and you follow their instructions on how to advertise on there for a company that's really just getting started, Amazon can keep you afloat for so long and actually provide you with like probably higher sales than you would have seen on D2C. I think the argument there is it's so hard to break the D2C algorithm. We're extremely, extremely fortunate. I think, again, that was where we and especially Kevin early on put so much of a focus on the aesthetic of the website, something we're always so proud of and kind of humbled by is when people say like, oh, they think we're like this big, massive company because of the way we present ourselves online. And then all of a sudden you find out it's just us two and we're still working day jobs. That because of how our website works and how much effort we put into it, we have a very strong conversion rate. We hover between five and 6% basically ever since we started, which as you know, in this space is very strong numbers and something we'll always try to continue on. So as opposed to saying start on Amazon and then try and fix D2C, we've got D2C chugging along really well. And now we're going to go like basically all in on Amazon to the maximum extent that we can because our product is so well suited for their marketplace. We've always said we want pretty boy on every man's countertop. Everyone has an Amazon account at this point. We know that that's going to be the place where we can meet them right in the middle as easy as possible, get the prime two-day shipping, even with the margin and haircut. Our hope is that they end up liking it enough that they somehow get targeted by an ad. They come to our site, they see the subscription model, and they say, oh, this is worth it to me to do and transfer over there, and we get them that way. But Amazon's such an impressive channel and something everyone should invest in as early as possible because that's going to create that velocity of sale traction early on because of that algorithm and doing things the Amazon way. In a way, I feel like it's safer to have built up the standalone Shopify side first, because I talked to so many people who are Amazon only or 95% Amazon, and they're trying to diversify. They're trying to like wean themselves off of this, knowing that if it ever goes out of stock or you know some algorithm change or some customer complaint, like any number of things, and you could get booted. And meanwhile, you got tens of thousands of dollars worth of inventory in their warehouse that they might hold hostage, like all sorts of bad things can happen. Like it's great while the getting's good, but it's playing in somebody else's sandbox. And so it seems somewhat safer to have done it your way first before going into that. I think just fortunate more than anything. It was really fortunate because that either trying to break D2C or trying to break Amazon can be so, so, so stressful. We're just very fortunate that our D2C and our website is working the way that it is. And that's going to allow for that investment in Amazon. Talk to me about the logistics side of things. You guys packing boxes in the evenings? You got third-party logistics? How, How are you shipping this stuff out? We were for quite some time. Kind of funny part of our story, Kevin and I were... So we actually worked for the same company in the day job and we started the company as roommates in the same house. So we would take day job calls from 30 feet away and you could hear each other through the walls if you didn't shut the doors right. And then we started the company out of the bedrooms as well. So for a year, we did the whole pick and pack. It 
is something that really makes you understand everything that goes into it. You start to see what the customer support looks like when there's missing packages, how to file insurance claims, all that stuff. But in April this year, we were fortunate enough to kind of justify via volume to go the third-party logistics kind of route. And that's been both a blessing and a challenge. You now do have to manage an external partner, whereas the workload of shipping the orders can sometimes get overwhelming. Now you have to make sure that the other people are doing the job correctly. Our partner has been phenomenal in that. You deal with kind of some additional potential delays at times. And so that can present more customer support challenges at times. It's a nice feeling for us. It was really relieving and cool feeling to say like, hey, we finally made it to a point where we can afford to put this in someone else's hands because that pick and pack in the bedroom can get quite exhausting on the fingers and the brain. When you just have two people behind a brand, there's a lot of other focuses or things you get bogged down in the day-to-day. And I think being able to get that small day-to-day task off your plate so you can really focus on the big picture and growing the brand sometimes is worth the risk because you can really accelerate that growth when you're focusing on things that can really impact the business. Obviously, logistics is huge, but is that where you want to be your founder spending all of his time? Probably not. Yeah. Are we a skincare company or are we a logistics company? Exactly. Let's let the pros handle that. And it's just a couple bucks. Well, I don't know. You tell me in terms of like per order, what they're charging you. It definitely has a margin impact. We pay basically a three to $3.50 premium on top of shipping. Now the onus is on us to go out and find ways to make back that 3% in other places, cut costs elsewhere, become more efficient with our marketing dollars. It's all a game of just trying to figure out where can I be more efficient? Where do I have to spend more money right now? What's that going to yield down the road? Where can we cut costs? We still operate very leanly. Our fixed costs are very low percent of the overall P&L. It's all the money goes back into marketing and scaling the thing. What mistakes have you seen over the last year and a half? Or what would you do differently post-launch? Inventory management, for example, like our most recent order, we probably over-ordered to get those slightly lower cost of goods. Then a week after placing the order, a mentor was like, listen, you guys are such a low cost of goods in the general scheme of thing with your AOV, that cash for you to get an extra 15000 than you normally would is so much better served in your bank account. I wish that, I think we talked about this a little bit, like, you know, kind of before we started, we were gassing everything. Everything felt so good. Kevin and I were like, damn, like we're going to be millionaires in two months. And then all of a sudden you realize that you don't have the inventory to actually get to that point. So we had to taper off sales. What was the best part about that kind of challenge for us? Was it focused or created this intense, intense, intense focus on getting into the numbers and setting up the various different models that were needed to actually forecast appropriately, understand when cash was coming in, when it was going out, what the inventory schedule actually looked like. In terms of like other operational things, I think those are the two biggest ones that stick out. I will say like the quality of the website, how it looks, everything like that. First impressions are everything. We talk about that with skincare. That's why you got to take care of your skin. First impressions are everything. So people come to the website, you got to seem like a legit brand. Now I pull back on saying you don't need to spend as much money on custom development on the website as we did because of where Shopify is at right now. Even since we started maybe two years ago, like Shopify 2.0, there is so many quality templates, even more than we had access to, that you really don't need to spend money on a website or like custom development. You can get a lot of that done with third-party applications, which we've learned and the templates that they've had. It wasn't necessarily that at the time. So I'm glad we did what we did and I don't have any regrets about it. But when people think of their website and what they want out of it, the past couple months to it, they've really expanded. So I would say there, like just you don't need to overspend. Things are going to change so much 
because you're going to learn so much in the first year that it's not worth just overspending because things are going to change. Shopify is built for people like us to be able to create a website in a day, like maximize everything you can out of that and then go look at what needs custom dev. But I mean, we're so proud of our website that that's even hard to say, like it's a regret. It's just, it's a thing that we're it's learning. It's definitely not a regret. Or, yeah, we're learning from. Very good. Well, we got Q4 coming up. I'm excited for what comes down the road for YoPrettyBoy.com. We're going to get Amazon spinning again. We got the subscription business going. You guys are doing great things. I'm taking a ton of notes. Lots of moving parts in this business to consider, but really having built a pretty substantial, pretty valuable brand at this point. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tips for Side Hustle Nation. Kevin, you can kick us off. Get a co-founder. Obviously, I couldn't have done this without Ben. I can't imagine people that do this on their own and respect for you that you could do it. But I would highly recommend getting a co-founder, not just somebody that is completely opposite skill sets. But like I said in the beginning, Ben and I both have very similar interests, but we complement each other super well. We typically get to the answer completely different ways. So having a co-founder. The other one that I love is just like stay lean. We do love to spend money, but as you continue to grow, there's so much AI, there's so many applications, you have Shopify templates, like you can really start a business online very cheaply and you don't need to spend all this money. You have a lot of resources now to be able to do things you need without having to hire. All right. Ben, you're up. Be customer obsessed, make them feel special and show them that you want their business to continue. And two, I would say get 1% better every day. Like we, we did that early on, talk about the dead period in the manufacturing. Like it's like, just try to get one step done. And that applies way more to people at the really early stages, but we still do that today. I'm like, just what's the one thing I can do that advances our business and helps each other. You're doing this for a reason. You're betting on yourself for the long haul. So just be kind to yourself. Thank your partners. Thank your customers. Like just enjoy the ride. It makes it more fun than just constantly holding yourself. to like a ridiculous standard that is going to take some time to meet. Yeah. I mean, to will something into existence and have it post the numbers that you're posting and have it to help the volume of people that you help in. That's really cool. So I love these calls to be customer obsessed, to stay lean, to get 1% better, all very common side hustle nation themes. So appreciate you sharing those because that is really good advice. Again, yoprettyboy.com. Check them out over there. Just a couple of takeaways before we wrap up. Mine, I have notes here on really doing your homework from your pre-surveys to your post-surveys to all the market research and the formulation and the testing and the branding and the certifications. And on the flip side of that, not letting that paralyze you and like get into analysis paralysis and like not letting it prevent you from launching. So I think that was something that I definitely wrote down then. And then reinvesting in growth. So I think my tendency would be, well, I got to take some money off the table. I got to pay my bills. How quick can I get out of the day job? And instead reinvesting that into product, into more marketing, knowing that, hey, the lifetime value now that based on the data that we have is going to shake out pretty well in our favor. And so we can keep reinvesting into that. And then Thinking big, you talked about total addressable market. I mean, this is a big niche to go after. It's like, we're going to carve out a niche, you know, based, based on our branding and our positioning, but it's still, it's half the population could eventually use this thing. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Again, notes and links for this episode, sidehustlenation.com slash pretty boy. While you're there, make sure to download the free listener bonus. It's 25 e-commerce niche ideas. If skincare is not your thing, don't copy these guys, put, a, put your own idea out into the world. You can find that, again, sidehustlenation.com slash prettyboy, or just follow the show notes link in the episode description. Big thanks to Kevin. Big thanks to Ben for sharing their insight today. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're finding value in the show, make sure to text a friend, spread the word, 
Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. 